0: Hey there. I'm your host, Stephanie Lugo, and welcome to the Market Authority Show. If you have found your way here, you are a real estate pro who's ready to transition from chasing leads to getting dream clients to chase you. This podcast is where you will learn modern real estate tactics to attract, connect, and scale so you can get paid consistently, connect with dream clients, and keep your sanity. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Market Authority Show. I am your host, Stephanie Lugo. And today we are speaking to a friend of the pod and a friend of mine, Barry Jenkins. He is leader of one of the top-selling real estate teams and brokerages in the country. And Barry has been in the business for more than 20 years. And he's got a super unique approach to selling that he shares in his book, Too Nice for Sales, that is now already two years old, which is crazy. And I hear you've got Uh another one on the way. His real estate team sells more than 850 homes per year in Virginia, and he has a dual focus on product and training with a highly innovative div- digital marketing firm, Lopo. Through his time in real estate, Barry has honed a creative and insightful approach to remain upright and ethical in the sales process, while leaning on authenticity to increase sales without the ick, which <laughs> if you know about our brand, that is what we're all about here. So Barry, Let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, super excited to be a part of the show. Um your, you know, the viewership and just the whole community is uh fantastic. I love the initiative that you guys have um, you know, with everything that you've done so far. It's really really inspiring actually. So. Oh,
0: well thanks. High yeah. praise, high praise from the sales master himself. <laughs> <laughs> So, so tell me, tell me, what's the update this year? How are things going? What are you working on? Um, how has the market been treating you?
1: Yeah, market's been hard, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I really am grateful for hard markets. Um, every single time there's a dramatic change or something difficult. Um, not every time. Uh, probably the first two times I blew it and suffered tremendously, like you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand eleven. Um, but I learned really quick. And so now when I see hard things, I just, I just know it's kind of like looking at a, an investment property, the more jacked up it is, the more potential money you'll make. That's kind of how I view hard markets. And so, um, you know, we've been pivoting really well. We've grown, um, a lot, uh, as a firm, sales are up, numbers are up. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, you just have to really pay attention to what's going on around you yeah. and, and pay attention to where you're at in the midst of it and make good decisions.
0: I, I love that outlook because one thing that I've really learned, too, and I got into the business in 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. I'm in Phoenix. We were mowed over by the recession. Like we were one of the hardest hit markets. And so we were still very much in recovery mode. It took six months to sell a property like it was the whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And and one thing that I learned just after having no experience in real estate and diving into that kind of environment was that your mm-hmm. business doesn't grow at the top of the market, mm-hmm. you grow at the bottom. And so I'm with you, I'm looking at this as like a, a massive opportunity. How are you helping your team pivot to take advantage of the opportunities?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look, uh, rates are really high um, mm-hmm. mortgage rates. I mean, uh, inventory is still low. Um, and, uh, and so, I think for us, we've really doubled down on just the database and uh, IDX search behavior. So we're making a massive bet that if a person is searching for a house on our website, there's interest. Um, And that sounds stupid because you could say, well, of course there's interest, but but there might not be. Yeah. And we're putting all the chips in that if we can keep all of these humans on our website, I think our database now is right at like 265,000 people. Mm -hmm. um and we're running ads to all of them and just kind of skimming off the top of that behavior and working like if i was to show my crm right now you would see leads that are eight or nine years old that just saved a home on my website today that's where i'm monetizing because i'll make up some numbers to prove a point if uh three years ago there was a thousand people shopping for a home in my market today maybe there's 600 today right well Some might say, "Oh my gosh, that's a forty percent decrease. The the market's changing, whatever." And to that, I say, "I don't know. I'm just going to focus on the six hundred, right? Like, so we're just going to we're going to figure out where are the six hundred people. How can I get them on my website, and how can we effectively connect with them as businesses? This scales really, really well. Like, it, it you know, as a business owner, you just kind of turn these dials on." And um, and so then my whole sales organization is now not just or only looking for people that are ready to transact tomorrow. We're we're making most of our money off of the people that say, you know, uh, I'm a year out or I'm six months out. And we're pressing into those people. We're mm-hmm. we're 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 motivated by a sincere service, a sincere desire to serve this person that doesn't know what they want. And in that moment. We're making authentic connection. We're we're bringing them into our office. We're meeting with them. We're empowering them, and you know, look, we're not selling vacuum cleaners or pencils. When you help somebody fill in the missing pieces of what they want when it comes to their long-term goals of buying, and they realize they're not that far away, we don't have to push them. They have their own motivation, and uh, and so this this just it scales really well, um, and that's why I'm not worried about fluctuations in the market. I've really invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in my database for this very moment.
0: Yeah, what do you say to the agent who hears that and says, okay, that's great for tomorrow, but what about today? Where are my deals right now if they are backed up against the wall and like they haven't had a closing in six months?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, I'm sorry that you're uh, struggling right now. I've been there. I've mm-hmm. I lived off my credit cards for a year, um, a couple decades ago. I know what that's like and the pressure that you're under. Um, you know, the, the old adage, it's darkest before the dawn. Um, this is an incredible moment in your business. Um, I know it doesn't feel like it, but you're about to get really scrappy and you're going to learn some new skills and develop new muscles. And it's going to change your business forever. What I would do is I would um, I would figure out how to get leads for cheap. When I say cheap, $10 to $15 a lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably won't make any money off of those for 90 days. So you need to do that now, even though you don't think you can afford it. Meanwhile, you need to contact your brokerage or your team, get a list of all the active listings in your neighborhood or in your brokerage and start holding at least two open houses a week. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably, if you're in my market, you're probably only going to have two to four visitors per open house. And you're going to feel like a failure. I always did. Uh, those two to four people, you need to get them set up on searches. You need to have them on your website. So if you do two open houses, two visitors per open house, four humans per week, that's 16 humans per week. 16 humans you're sending listings to, 16 humans hopefully are seeing some kind of Facebook ads regarding homes. Meanwhile, you're buying leads, you're learning how to cut your teeth on those inbound opportunities. Before you know it, I would say there's a a, a good chance, I would say a 50% chance in one to two months, one of those open house leads will end up uh, saving a home on your website, sharing a home, you're going to call them, and you're going to start showing them homes and you're going to be the master of your own destiny. So this really is an opportunity for you. Um, but don't ever find yourself in this situation again. You need to have a pipeline. And, um, and, and hopefully this could be a lesson that you could learn for the rest of your career. I had to learn it, right? Uh, and that's why you see me this obsessed 260,000 person gargantuan database. I built it over seven years. Um, I just really focused on it really hard. Um, and and that's what you guys have to do.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I love that approach when we're talking about providing value for that long, right? Because I agree it is in the long game. If you're going to have a business that's going to give you consistent sales over time and like create that legacy for you, it has to be the long game. And that's, that's what I love so much about your approach. Um, how are you providing value to the people who your members are like in communication with? So your agents are in communication with over 12 months, getting to them to that place of being not just motivated, but determined to buy. What are those communications looking like? And how are you providing value to remain relevant through that whole cycle?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, we don't use checking on you, touching base, seeing how it's going anymore. We don't use any of those phrases. Um, We always come with a thing. Like we always have like... Here's uh, Hey, I'm calling for this list of open houses. Um, did you want me to text it or email it? Hey, I've got this blog on home buying. Did you want me to text it or email it? Hey, I was in your area and I thought of you. Um, uh, there's a home that recently sold in your neighborhood. Would you like me to send it? Right? So we always have like, in the same way for whatever reason, when you're knocking on doors, having a flyer, hi, you know, it's like, it just makes it easier to give them something, it gets the attention off of you. Yeah. It's the same way with your follow-up with your nurture leads. And then once they tell you, look, more than likely they're not going to read most of what you send them. Okay? That's not why you're sending it. You're sending it so they remember that you sent it. And then once they say, text it or email it, then you just do a, so yeah, well, I got you. How's life? You know, how's it going? And it just, it'll hit different. You're not annoying anymore. You came with value. And now you're checking on them what you'll find is they'll answer the phone again um that works really well the other thing you guys have to stop doing is waiting for the consumer to figure it out on their own you guys are waiting yeah. for them to gain clarity without you and it's really a shame um you're missing an opportunity to become immensely valuable by leading them down the path of self discovery people pay therapists a lot of money for that like just to be asked questions right so still my favorite question is what are you hoping to change about where you live? Someone that doesn't know what they want yet. If you were to say, what kind of home do you want? They're going to say, I don't know. I'm not ready for this. But if you ask that same person, what do you want to change about where you live? They're going to have clarity on what's annoying to them. We all do. And they're going to say like, I want a yard this time, or I want a kitchen with a, you know, uh, an Island. I don't know, whatever. They're going to say something. And, um, that's a very valuable discussion to them. They're gonna appreciate it and you have a moment to create genuine, authentic connection with them, which is my favorite part. Because what a lot of you guys are doing is you're, you're so obsessed with getting people to like you. <laughs> and with your sphere, that works great. Because they come to you and they're like, can you help me with this? And yes, I can help you. And they love you, right? But when you, when you focus on pleasing leads, they don't want to talk to you. And so your compulsion is to rush off the phone and you've got to stop burdening the stranger, the lead with your emotional need to feel accepted. It's just not fair to them. It's not fair to this stranger to make you feel better about how you're doing. You just really got to be consumed with them and ask them questions that lead them down the path of self-discovery. And, uh, and when they tell you a piece of their story, that's your moment. So instead of being fake friends, like you're from the area. Oh my gosh, we shop at the same grocery store. How cool is that? Right. Like really lame connections. You get to share stories about just like Stephanie, what you and I were doing before we started this, we were talking about our kids and you know, whether they sleep or don't sleep at night, that's an authentic, right? Like that, that was a real human to human connection. And that's what. Um, that's what these prospects need. It's refreshing to work with an authentic salesperson. It really is,
0: yeah, and it's so it's such a different uh, it's such a different connection than like, oh, are you ready to go look at houses? Oh no, okay, <laughs> let me know when you are. Like I, I don't understand where where the line between providing service through the whole cycle of home ownership, Versus just providing the products, meaning the house got yeah. so discombobulated in real estate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, it, honestly, uh, I think a lot of really big lead generation companies taught us to have a diet of a certain conversation. So mm-hmm. the conversation, instead of being big picture and consultative, it was more... Oh, you're, you're, you're wanting to see 123 Smith Street tomorrow. Okay. Uh, would you like to see that at 10? Yes. Great. I'll see you there. So the, the, these lead gen companies created a demand for that scenario. And for a while, it was fantastic. And we all know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But then it got really expensive. And now uh, they they know what they have. You know, Zillow, Realtor.com, all these. And I don't hate any of them. They know what they've done. They know what they have. And so now they're charging referral fees and um, it's no different than a regular team. And so it's just a lot has changed. And so this is a discussion that I think if an agent wants to gain market share, they're new or they're starting out and they're trying to grow. You have to crack this code of talking to people that don't know what they want yet. I just think it's an imperative part of the process over the next five to 10 years.
0: Yeah. How long are you seeing your current maturation for leads today considering like the market? So I I would say like last year it was maybe three to six months for for a lot of my like high, the ones who are ready um, because they didn't really have the same obstacles. But today, obviously people have to plan a little bit more in advance. Are you seeing that lead time lengthen on your end or are you guys still closing pretty quickly?
1: Yeah. I mean, not yet. We haven't seen a change, but partially, um, you know, we've made a lot of marketing changes. uh, and so, um, for us, uh, we're looking for certain behaviors. When someone starts saving a home, it doesn't mean they're ready to go look at it tomorrow, but what it does mean is they saw something they liked enough to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so for us, that's a signal. That's a signal that says, okay, this is a person that has transitioned from dreaming about homeownership and now they're planning. What we're looking for, if we're talking to someone that's, Oh, I'm not ready for this. They're dreaming. The sale for us is converting them to planning. And then if they're, they're planning and they're picking out homes, the the sale for us is getting the planner to become a shopper. What a lot of agents are doing is they're doing check-ins, are you ready? They're not saying it that way, but are you ready? And the consumer says, no, I'm not. And then the the agent wanting to be nice and helpful says, okay, well, how about I call you in three months and check on you? Mm
0: -hmm. And there's
1: no value there. Yeah. Um, And so if you're going to wait for the consumer to figure it out on your own, I think you're looking at about a year of incubation maturation to use your word. I think if you dive in and when they tell you their reason, they're not a good lead you take on the disposition of a very curious passionate teacher and you press into their they say they're waiting a year that's fantastic how did you decide on a year how or what are my two favorite questions how did you decide that um and a lot of times they have no idea they just know that they they're not ready
0: interesting so so it's more so they they know that there's a little bit of like a murkiness to the vision The faster we can remove that and provide clarity, we can really help move that along, I think.
1: Yes. And to your point, the way we do that is we really emphasize as soon as we hear ignorance or fear or confusion. So they say they're not ready. We say, how did you decide you're not ready? Uh, They don't know what they're talking about. Or they say, I'm not sure. They don't know what they're talking about. Or they say, I'm concerned that the economy will fail. That's fear. They don't know what they're talking about. They're, They're just they're just wrapped up in this idea and that's the moment we'll say something like, you sound like my other clients. This is probably one of the largest purchases of your life. We are so glad we're talking while you're not ready. What we need to do is meet for 30 minutes in my office. You need clarity, you need direction and, um, and this is too important for you to be guessing. And what we found is we can actually meet with these people and we try to have a lender involved because between the lender talking to them about what they can afford and us empowering them about the process, we're solving all the murkiness, to use your another one of your words, to give them the direction they need. And so it's kind of like the old school buyer seminars people used to do. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's just a one-off of those. And you rinse and repeat it. And because Google and Facebook provides me with such a constant of opportunity, this is just it's a, it's I'm fishing in a river and nobody else is still fishing there with me. I'm by myself, just tons of opportunities, just catching fish because nobody's really having these conversations with people.
0: I love that. So on the other side of that, you follow up, follow up, inevitably get them to the close Mm -hmm. on the other side, what does that post-close process look like for you to generate referrals and repeat business?
1: Yeah. So we've actually put a lot of focus on this in the last four months as we've seen the
0: market change. Yeah, Um, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. So what we've been doing is um, having our top agents that have been doing it a while, go into their MLS, put in their MLS ID number and pull up all their past transactions. Mm -hmm. So let's say they have 300. Then what they do is they have a VA or they do it themselves, depending on how busy they are, search their email address for those addresses. So if it's one, two, three Smith street closed 10 years ago, assuming they have the access to that email, they go one, two, three Smith street. They find the person's name, email and phone number from the original emails that they had and they're putting in a spreadsheet. We just had one on Monday. Uh, The guy had 90, he did that. He had 90, uh, we imported them into follow up boss. We, uh, put the home address. There's, there's two ways you can put the address. And uh, the first time we did it, it showed up as a lead inquiry. So then we had to redo it, put the home address in the right spot. Then we re-exported these contacts with name, email, phone number, and home address. And we sent it to YLOPO. And um, so now these 90 people are seeing Facebook ads for homes. But more importantly, they're getting an equity report, which is like a mixture of HomeBot and market updates. Um, And we do it uh, quarterly, so every three months. But they got one. And so we had our sales meeting two days later, and the agent who's been with me for 15 years said, hey, anybody who is thinking about this, I just want you to know, I got eight past clients contacting me about their home value as a result of this initiative. And, uh, and so now, of course, they're all wanting to do the same thing. Um, so there's that. And then, um, so every three months, they're getting an equity report, they're getting Facebook ads, and we do uh, Popeyes. For our agents. Uh, we we split the cost 50-50 and then they go quarterly to each of their homes and it's been fantastic for us. It's been just a huge moneymaker.
0: Who are you doing Popeyes with?
1: We actually are doing them ourselves. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll go to a local um, like greenery where we, you know, get get plants or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we air less on the gimmicky side. Like we're not doing ice cream scoops with a tag that says we have a scoop on the market. Yeah, it's more yeah. a small item of value. Like uh, Thanksgiving, we do pies, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. I love that. Super <laughs> fun. Yeah. When you are working with your agents to reconnect with that database and say it's 10 years, do you ever get them balking and saying it's been 10 years? Like how do I, I haven't spoken to them in that long? How do I go back and start up that conversation without looking like I've got egg on my face?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, first, I would say nobody's paying attention. Get out (laughs) of your head. They're not they're they're not paying attention at all. Uh, They probably forgot who you were. Mm -hmm. Um, Not being negative. Just the truth of the matter is they probably did if you haven't been following up with them. Yeah. Um, For my agents, the trigger initially is anyone that's engaging the content we're sending. So we really use digital marketing like Radar. Okay. Uh, and anybody who puts a blip on the Radar, my agents have been instructed just to call and just say, how you doing? It's been a long time. How's the house? How's little Johnny? We don't bring up the fact that they check their equity, right? Okay. But the people that we call to check on first are the people that are engaging our website. The rest of them, We do the same thing. We don't apologize for not calling more frequently. We just say something like, I was in your area and I thought of you. It's been a long time. How's life? Human to human interactions. I think sometimes realtors feel like they need to bring up that they're realtors all the time. And it's pretty annoying. Um, Just be a human. Uh, If they like you, they'll use you. Um, and, uh, And I think that the average person knows two to three people that are moving every year um and so that potentially could be 100 to 150 referrals uh depending on how many people you have in your database of people that are moving um and it's just a fantastic way to run your business
0: yeah are you with your team including any organic social media marketing on top of this right now uh
1: when you say organic like posting on our agent's behalf
0: or helping them post and just be frequent on social media in a way that's like authentic and genuine to them.
1: Yes, Uh, so we do a sales huddle every Monday and Friday. Mm -hmm. And so far this year, I think three different times I taught them to, I I like to split up your content when I was an agent into three kind of chunks. Uh, Mm -hmm. One is like a day in the life. Uh, Take a picture of your computer while you're at the coffee shop, searching for listings for my clients, Uh, and that's easy for new agents to do another one is something funny Uh, so if you see something like one time I saw pink kitchen cabinets in a house took a picture what do you guys think love it or hate it right and then the third is um, well that's really day in the life so sometimes it's just like what I'm doing other times it's funny then the second is uh, teaching them so we use keeping current matters content for that Uh, we have a company account and download the the pre-written content and the images and uh, one that we've used over the years is um, what interest rates what the payment will be at different rates based on your purchase price that's always like that's just a great example of what you're you're sharing with your sphere and then the third category we teach them is um, success stories so of course with client permission take a picture and tell the client's story you know john and mary were dreaming of having a large backyard. Um, they were paying $2,000 a month in rent, but they were in an apartment or a condo. Uh, I was able to get them in this home for 1,900. I got seller paid closing costs, yada, yada, yada. Whatever the whatever the story is, share that. And what you'll find is you now are staying top of mind with your social media audience. Another thing I teach them to do is um, like, this was probably 2 years ago now but uh, an example would be um hey uh leave a, a gif of how your how yesterday or how how you slept last night and so then you've got all these like friends putting funny gifs and that of course is teaching facebook that these people pay attention to what you're posting and then the next day post something real estate related leverage that algorithm um it works really well uh social media does in that regard Um, but you can't just post your listings. Uh, I I would say one out of every 10 listings you can post, uh, but just don't, that's your, your social media feed is not for that. Nobody really cares. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Hey, it's Stephanie. We know that you love tuning into the show each week and I appreciate your continued support. Now we have a fun opportunity for you to get even more involved with the market authority community. How would you like to have your thoughts and opinions featured right here on the show? It's simple. Just leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Here's the deal. Every week, we will pick one lucky listener's review, and we'll read it right here on the pod. That's right. Your insights, questions, and feedback could become a part of the show. So take a moment to leave a review and who knows, you might hear your name and your thoughts discussed on our next episode. We can't wait to hear from you. Your reviews mean the world to me and they help me know if I'm on track with the content that we're creating for you. Plus, your reviews help other realtors find this podcast. And we know that sharing is caring, right? Keep those reviews coming and remember to stay tuned for more expert insights and tips. Thanks for being a part of our journey. Now, back to the show. I agree. I think it's really funny because sometimes I'll be coaching a newer agent and they'll say, well, I don't really know how to show up on social media because I don't have a lot of listings and yeah. it's really hard to find open houses right now. So I don't know what to post about. And I'm like, perfect. Yeah. You know, <laughs> remove yeah. any temptation to post that stuff, regardless of whether or not right. you're actually doing it, because it's just it adds so much noise that is not helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you with social media, you have an opportunity to be a meet your own media company what what do they care about well they care about you that's why they're connected to you and um and so you know splitting up your content strategy and you don't have to like i think actually some of the best agents right now on social media are the ones that are just they're just doing it in their car you know they're just they're hanging out they're taking pictures of random stuff they're not trying that hard i think is the key um I I didn't really like social media probably 15 years ago but uh, what I've learned is that social media allows me to connect with other humans that are fantastic um, my opinion of the real estate industry uh, I would say 20 years ago uh, was not that great People were kind of mean in my market 20 years ago and um, now uh, it's all changed because I met all these amazing people like yourself across the country that are doing it right. They're serving people. And then after meeting all these people nationally, now I've met people locally and now I've got a lot of nice agents in my market. I think it's just, you know, it was one of those things that maybe the circle I was in, I don't know, but social media is a fantastic tool uh, to do, to do all those things.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's a big part of how we do business too. But I think to your point, it's just layering a couple of these approaches, right? So having your your digital marketing radar to really cover a wide net and then being able to go deeper with social media, add that human element. And then, of course, like the direct, the direct calls, the direct yeah. communications where you're following up.
1: Yeah, we use AI in a really big way. Right mm-hmm. now, um, I would say in the next six to twelve months, um, a lot of changes are going to happen in the technology space. Um, robots are getting really, really good at talking with humans, um, and uh, and so really excited about watching. You know, Raya, the AI for Y-Lopo, Um, You know, um, the, you know that's been my baby since twenty nineteen, and um, but even that. Has grown with ChatGPT and everything else, so it's been really great to watch technology come alongside the agent. And I think that um, you know I don't want anybody to lose their jobs, but agents that decide not to leverage AI, um, I think that agents that do leverage AI are just going to outpace everybody else. So instead of there being ten agents on the team doing a hundred deals, now there might be four agents like super agents doing a hundred deals. Cause they're just moving faster than everybody else.
0: I wanna talk about this because somebody left the snooty comments. Not that I pay that much attention to those. Those are about, the best. What's that?
1: Those are the best. The snooty I
0: know, car. I know. They started, they're good conversation starters, but yeah. I had posted about ChatGPT and I just did a funny video of like, ha ha ha, when you ask ChatGPT please and thank you when you're, you know, trying to be kind to chat gpt in, in case the robots take over. It was just a silly joke. And someone, another agent in another market went into my comments and said, well, sure, if you need something like that, but I prefer to use my brain, just something to that effect. And then started replying to all the other agents leaving comments like, oh, I haven't used it yet. Or, oh, I love it. And he's like, I'm doing fine just without it. And, and I thought that that was such an interesting attitude <laughs> to have because it's, it is completely overlooking the long game. And I think that we have to imagine a world where you're not operating without that. Yeah. 20 years ago, you had to be able to imagine a world where one of these was attached to your hand. Right. Where you always Absolutely. had a smartphone.
1: Absolutely. I don't think it's going
0: to be any different.
1: No, I agree. And thank you to the snooty comment, because you've given us some great content here to yeah. discuss. And I, because I think it really does. That's why I love it. Uh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why uh, but it really does highlight the challenge. Now, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Partially, I agree. I think I do write punchier content than ChatGPT. I do. Okay. What I am not able to do is respond to 50 leads that are talking to AI right now um, because I'm talking to you. What that agent is missing out on is the leverage play that AI allows you to have. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that agent does 13 deals a year and has made the same amount of income over the last four years and they're just content. And you know what? More power to them. Totally. And, but this is, this is what I mean. Meanwhile, I'm talking to 50 people at the same time, vicariously through a robot, and I agree, I could one to one do a better job than a robot could. Uh, Although ChatGPT four is really empathetic, Um, it's really. Are
0: you guys? Is Raya leveraging that same technology?
1: Anytime she has less than a 70% confidence score. Like the person responds and she's like, I'm not sure which way to go on that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It automatically slots into ChatGPT. And whereas my responses are typically like two sentences, ChatGPT is probably four to five, very empathetic, very wordy. Uh, But the engagement's been fantastic. Um, AI is now objection handling. Whereas like 2019 through 2021, if the lead said I'm not interested, Raya would say, okay, no problem. But I went to the engineers. I said, salespeople don't do that. They don't, they don't say, okay, no problem. They say, okay, great. So hey, about the home search. Like that's what salespeople do. And so now Raya is able to do that. And it's actually brought a 7% lift to appointments as a result. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's it is that leverage, like you're mentioning. And I think regardless of our feelings, we cannot, we cannot remove ourselves from what is going to happen in the mind of consumers, and they are going to get used to a certain pace. Uh They're going to get used to a certain pace, and as other industries begin to adopt technology and begin to shift their response times or their levels of service using ChatGPT, if they're not getting that same level from any, it it doesn't even have to be us, but from another salesperson, they're always going to choose somebody who has a more effective service, even if it's off the mark a little bit in tone, I think a lot of times. And then when you're layering on that human connection on top of it, it's going to be, it's you're, you'll be invincible in a way.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, it's just like any other tool. Um, If I can have a robot have light and fluffy conversations with a hundred people find 10 that want to have substantive conversations with my sales team now my sales team doesn't have to have light and fluffy with a hundred. They can focus on substantive with 10. This is the flaw with not using technology. And I I firmly believe that successful business owners adapt constantly in yeah. every industry. It just so happens that real estate is one of the big levers in our economy. And so we're it's a very volatile industry. It's a fantastic industry, but if you've been doing things a specific way for five years and you're waiting for things to go back to whatever normal is for you, I've been there. I did that in 2008. It sucked. It it never went back. And I I just decided for now on, I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to quickly adapt to whatever's around me. And so that's going back to the start of our conversation. That's why I see the challenge as the opportunity. It's a way of life for me now. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just convinced it's the way to do it.
0: Have there been any big, was, was the 2008 recession like the big catalyst for that mindset or is it more of a theme through the last 20 years for you where every time just, you know, there's a wrench thrown in the mix, you think, Oh, here we go again. Like revisiting that same, that same lesson.
1: Yeah. uh, So 2008 was where um, I kind of life took me to the woodshed, right? That's where, you know, I went broke and all that, but then 2012 was 2011, 2012, that was when I first made my first million, and because I, I just I was so hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020, for me, is when I was able to apply the lessons of a decade earlier because we quarantined, yep. and everybody was sitting on their hands. And I remember telling my agents, I said, "This reminds me of 2008. I hope it's not 2008, but I'm going to tell you what we're not going to do." We're not gonna wait. we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about how horrible it is. Zoom wasn't a verb yet. Uh, so we decided to leverage Facebook Messenger. I said, all right, we're we're considered essential services during quarantine. We're allowed to work and do things. We're gonna use Facebook. When you have someone that wants to see a home, friend request them on Facebook, do a Facebook video with them, sell the houses via video. We absolutely crushed it. And you know what? Uh, two days ago, anywhere that owns, uh, used to be it's that big lawsuit, we settled. Uh, it's big antitrust. Sellers can't pay buyer's agent commission anymore. Um, going to be a huge next six months change in how the industry handles buyer agent commission. I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to find a way to make money. I'm going to crush it. That's what we do. I'm not going to complain. I can't help it. There's nothing I can do about it.
0: Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with all of that over the next six months? What are you looking to?
1: Well, there's there's legal precedent that the seller is an antitrust violation for the seller to pay the buyer agent commission. And so either mortgage companies are going to have to adapt to include and allow for greater seller concessions. Right now, only FHA allows for 6%. Conventional typically doesn't. VA definitely doesn't. Um, well, doesn't allow seller concessions to go towards buyer agent commission. They do allow for, I think, 5 or 6%. So hopefully the lenders eat it, they change mm-hmm. their process. If that doesn't happen, um, there's a sub-agent process that could happen that's not great for the consumer um, and, and or uh, other creative financing companies to get a loan for buyer agent commission. But in the same way agents get nervous about going on a listing presentation and saying it's a 6% commission, well, now buyer's agents are going to have to learn how to have that same conversation. But that's the opportunity. Yeah. Because agents aren't going to do it. They're going to be like, oh, I don't want to ask them for 3%. Uh, I'm going to go back to working at this accounting firm. Or I'm going to go back to, you know.
0: Well, it's interesting because we've been doing that for years. Mm. We've been doing that for years. And we are making up the difference with from our clients often. When, right. You know, and and obviously we're not going to let that I mean, not obviously, we'll work with our clients. We're not going to let it become a barrier to them achieving home ownership. Sure. But you do have to have the conversation. And we started having this conversation with our clients years ago. And I even know some agents in my market who charge kind of a premium because they provide a premium service. They do a lot on top of just the buyer transaction. Um, And when you articulate the value of that, it's an easier thing to swallow, especially if you've identified the ideal clients who have the ability to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we have one of the largest Navy bases in the world here in Norfolk, Virginia. And so the VA loan is like a mainstay and yeah. um, they don't allow the buyer to pay uh, agent commission. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't
0: know if I realized that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't even allow you to pay, um, like uh, like transaction fees, like the four hundred dollar, five hundred dollar transaction fee, they don't even allow that the buyer to pay that either. Um, just very strict. Yeah. So, but look again, none of nothing's changed yet. We just know with there being legal precedent, it's just a matter of time that all of that will change how it's done, and that's the opportunity, right? You're doing things the way you just said, selling your value proposition, sitting down, saying if you want me to use be your agent. It's a three percent commission. Um, if the we'll try to get the seller paid. If they don't, you know, you're going to have to add it to your purchase price or what have you to
0: cover yeah. that. Yeah, and that's that's how it goes. But I think I think a lot of times when agents are fearful of that and they come at it with that energy, almost like they're trying to be shifty. Yeah. That's when it falls apart.
1: Well, I think that and this is what's cool about this discussion. This is probably going to be a great piece of content and training that your organization is going to be able to give to agents as they're trying to learn this new skill. And some agents won't and some agents will. And this is where market share is gained. When you have the hard thing, you press into it and this is where all that amazing growth comes from. It's, it's it, the, the, the challenge is the doorway um, not to beat a dead horse, but it really is. It's, yeah. just, it's the way of the world.
0: I love a little nod to stoicism. Yeah, um, <laughs> tell me about your new book.
1: Yeah, so uh, so two Nice for sales, two years old. It's uh, just recently broached into the top ten category among a bunch of other amazing authors. Congrats! Um, and uh, and that's with little to no marketing. So mm-hmm. huge um, shout out to organizations like yourself for just being a proponent of the book. I'm really grateful for that. Um, mm-hmm. The next book is going to be called Too Nice for Leadership, and um, the subtitle is a compendium of all of my screw-ups, so it's essentially a book on how I have failed as a leader over the course of my career, the lessons that I've learned from those failures, and um, what you guys, the reader, can do to to grow through those those failures. I love reading about other people's screw-ups, not in a weird way, it's just... I vicariously uh, just learn from them, like, you know, and uh, so I'm about halfway through it.
0: That's amazing. Oh, my God. I cannot (laughs) wait to read that. One of our I don't know if you know this. You probably don't. I don't know why you would. One of our company values is that failure is a natural part of the innovation process. And so, yeah, so we embrace failure. We expect failure because if you're not taking enough action or taking risky action you're not going to experience failure as a natural part of that innovation process and so that means you're just not doing quite enough and we learned that through our last 10 years in real estate as well It's like inevitably at some point you're going to fall on your face and that's where you learn really interesting things i love that as a premise for a book and i know that you're going to have so many cool stories to share from that
1: yeah yeah i mean um and to your point um I'm really celebrating failure with my children. Uh, I want them to like try, even if it's, I can't do the monkey bars, just do it and screw up and I'll Mm -hmm. rejoice with you. And I was just, I just leveled up some workout buddies that their biceps are the size of my head. And um, (laughs) they work out at one of these gyms where people do uh, shows and everything. So the gym I was at, I was at like, I was like the stud. And then, I, I left that gym to go to this new gym, and I was like, like scrawny compared to everybody. And what I noticed about Perfect. this new, I know new environment was when I couldn't lift the weight all the way, uh, everybody would stop what they're doing and celebrate. They would celebrate the failure because that was when the muscle growth would happen. And it was just a really this was like four months ago. It really changed me being in that environment. It was a really cool, cool experience.
0: That kind of gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. That's really cool. I really look forward to your new book. And when it comes out, would you grace us back on the show so we Absolutely. can talk about it and share all your stories? 100%.
1: 100%. 100%. I look forward to it.
0: I, I love it. I, I want to just acknowledge you for a moment, Barry, and thank you for being um, just so so transparent and vulnerable with your story and being real about you know, some of the challenges that we deal with in this industry, because it is a challenging industry. It's a challenging time, it's a challenging market. But to your point, we can lean into those hard times and continue to see growth. And I just really want to acknowledge you for that approach, because it's refreshing, and it's very empowering. So I'm really grateful to be able to um, share your voice here on the show.
1: Thank you so much for that. That was very meaningful for me. I appreciate it
0: awesome okay well guys if you have not checked out barry be sure to look him up and his book on amazon too nice for sales is an absolute must read barry thank (laughs) you so much for joining me today
1: absolutely thank you
0: thanks for tuning in high five on taking some time to invest in yourself and in your business If you're looking for more, head over to the show notes to find all the details and links to resources mentioned in this episode of The Market Authority Show. And if you're looking to find a new crew of like-minded pros to ask questions and bounce ideas off of, head over to themarketauthorityacademy.com to join my exclusive community on Facebook, check out my latest free masterclass and tons of bonus content, or apply to my mentorship program to learn how I can help you triple your business this year. Until next time, keep on crushing it.